0: Welcome
1: to AMD Tech Talk, your source for the latest in data center innovation and insight on AMD's latest technology breakthroughs. Now, here's your host, Dylan Larson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AMD Tech Talk. I'm Dylan Larson. Really excited to be joined today with Jason Collier, who's going to tell us about his most recent experiences um, at VMworld last week, or VMware Explorer. And, you know, I think that this area about virtualization is obviously an area he's he's deeply seated in, but I also think it's an area that's really important for the evolution in the data center we see every day. Despite the fact it's a technology that's been around for quite some time. So, Jason, welcome. Good to be here.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Dylan. Good to see. Good to talk to you, bud. And don't worry, everybody still calls a VM world. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I caught myself that I was like, okay, yeah. That 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 is honestly that's one of the things that you and everybody's walking around the show floor yeah. saying VMworld, VMworld, VMworld. <laughs> so, but tell me, what what was
1: what what was what was exciting from you last week at the at the conference?
0: Well, was pretty interesting. There was still uh, you know, quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of interest in the show. There was, you know, kind of good uh, good foot traffic, you know, kind of through uh through the booth. Saw some saw some interesting technologies and kind of ran the ran the gamut as you can imagine. Um, you know, AI is a is a big uh, you know that's that's a buzzword that's that's basically hitting every aspect uh, of the data center and i think one of the interesting things that i saw is is you start and i had i had a conversation with several uh, data center folks and you know one of their big concerns is okay wh- what's going to happen to my data center footprint you know and what's going to happen to my virtualization footprint you know as you know we got to start looking at you know more and more customers looking to do these generative ai workloads so that that was pretty intri- intriguing um starting to see uh you know more and more uh companies look at at solutions uh that will plug into vmware um you know kind of around things like cxl as well um and and then also uh you know kind of how how they can use you know dpus uh like like pensando to help uh, uh you know you know help, help accelerate what they want to do Uh, for the data center. And I think when you, when you look at all this and and kind of that demand around the AI piece, it's pushing a lot of innovation overall within that marketplace and within the data center itself. It's really interesting. I've
1: always wondered if, if, you know, virtualizing AI was going to be, there was overhead or something that would, the VMN layer would add or if there were overhead that in, in terms of just IO interactions with, with either a card to do inference or a card to do training or or even just interrupts in the cpu you know, do you think that ai in a virtualized context is 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 a, is a path that's going to be successful
0: i i absolutely do um the uh you know a lot of the constructs that are, that are in you know the virtual machine stacks and the virtual machine layers are kind of naturally built for it anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I've seen I've seen a lot of the folks that are doing it uh, hitting it from the software layer and especially I mean if you're deploying most stuff on the cloud you're, you're very rarely doing bare metal deployment. Anyway, yeah, um, it, it's just yeah, it's just a uh, you know they're tossing those components through and I think honestly you know kind of even traditional uh, VM architectures running on CPUs are, are phenomenal for inference right yeah. so. Not necessarily, you know, the the full need for a full stack GPU uh, uh, component in there. So I think there is there is a really good CPU tie uh, in there. And I think virtualization is going to play right into it, especially when you look at the way folks are are deploying uh, different models. It also gives you the the advantage of the VM is it gives you the elasticity to move between, you know, kind of these different uh, hardware stacks, hardware platforms. And uh, uh, it's just a, a lot more flexibility without building specifically on top of the hardware itself.
1: Yeah, you could envision instantiating a, a new virtual machine just to add more throughput to to a yeah. virtualized workload. It makes total yeah. sense.
0: So you've got a big cluster of stuff and you're like, okay, I'm running this workload, this training workload, or even, you know, this this inferencing workload. I need to scale that out. How do I do that rapidly? You know, and VMs is a natural, you know, kind of path to get that done. Yeah. It seems like, you know, that that
1: was, you know, one of the things I heard was one of the most common conversations or or areas of. Presentation was around AI and virtual machine. Yeah. Do you think that the the accelerators are have enough virtualized contexts to work in that way? Are there is there more scale that's needed in I you don't know what SRIOV or whatever they're they're using nowadays to to kind of build virtualized contexts and scale it to enough enough virtual machines, maybe in a cloud context.
0: I, I think there's more software development that needs to be done in the space. I mean, I think if if there's You know, one area where, you know, uh, we're going to see probably dramatic improvements uh, is going to be in in the software frameworks uh, that are running on top of that. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's the area where where most of that that real kind of uh, research and development is needed, because I think there's a lot of hardware capabilities that are out there right now Um, and, you know, really. I, I would say, you know, in any one of those given instances, specifically around AI, I mean, we're probably using, you know, like sixty percent of the hardware's capacity based on what what the software can exploit in it right now. So I think there's going to be a lot of area for innovation in that in the coming year. I, I think you're I think you're right. Do you think you know
1: the thing I was also thinking about is is the infrastructure changing much? I mean, you know, we kind of look at new product introduction all the time, of, of course. But are there other elements, and maybe maybe I'm answering my own question, but the, what's happening with Pensando, the DPU kind of context of using that to offload some of the the hypervisor, is is uh, is is there more work that needs to be done to drive um, evolution of the infrastructure to take advantage of these things, or are these things just need to be adopted?
0: Yeah, and when I think I think that's also a software component, mm-hmm. right? That uh, that there needs to be in I don't even necessarily say the, the software to make it happen, but the software to make it easy, right? Yeah. The software to make it deployable, right? Because when it comes down to it, I mean, it really like what's the operational context to getting that to run? And you know, if you're a hyperscaler, it's pretty easy to plug that stuff in. If you're if you're basically you know a you know company X, company Y, uh, trying to go through and deploy this, it is not you know you don't double click setup.exe and hope for the best, right? <laughs> it is it is far from. <laughs> It is, it is far from that, as far as an installation within a platform right now. And um, I think, you know, if, if, if that could be packaged, if it could be appliantized, if it could be platformed, you know, the, the, the right way, I think that that's really where it's gonna open up, uh, you know, kind of the Pandora's box and what you'd be able to, to pull off with it. Makes sense.
1: No, we we talk a lot about the, the, the path to sustainability, green, I mean, it's overhyped a bit, but it's important. And do you do you think that there's more work that needs to be done to 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 get to a kind of efficient operation within the data center? There's things that that the IT users are doing today, or that, that should be doing to maximize the efficiency of the infrastructure.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and really looking at, I mean, ad- adopting uh, new the newer uh, hardware architectures are pretty, you know, phenomenal. I not to toot our own horn, but yeah. the 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 epic line. Is 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 phenomenal when it comes down to the amount of of stuff that you can cram on one of those chips that has pretty much a TDP that's not a lot different than the last generation, um, and you know being able to take the the efficiency advantages of that I, I think are going to be huge and the ability to move from those older architectures I mean when you've got you know a, you know two U servers sitting there you know in a rack that's fully maxed out but it's only got sixteen cores and then you got you know something that's around one hundred and twenty eight cores it's not that much more power draw. You know that that's a big that's a big difference, right? Um, in what you can do to consolidate that down, and I think from a power savings perspective, that's something data centers can really look for um, by upgrading to the later generation of stuff. I mean, they're going to be able to one shrink the footprint in the data center, which with these workloads of generative AI are are going to be huge. I saw a uh, I saw a presentation at Data Center World where they were going through and doing like kind of a power measurement on, you know, what a standard Google search would would do and what it would use to consume like a single light bulb. And then they went through and did the same analysis on how much uh, power is consumed by, by a chat GPT session. And the equivalency was like one light bulb for that Google search and 36 light bulbs for that chat GPT component. So you think about that and you've got this data center where, you know, uh, your data center operator, you're scratching your head and saying, okay, so I've got, you know, like 10K, 12K per rack. Now I got to figure out how to stick 80K in there, or I got to build a bunch more data centers. Yeah. So, we, yeah. we so talk- it's, it's going to be, so getting that power, like, it's it's going to be key and critical to figure out, you know, basically like the, it's like the price performance per watt, uh, you know, metric is is really going to be important for for data centers moving forward makes sense i mean we, we talk we talked a lot about the sort of cost of doing
1: nothing If if you were going to do nothing in your data center um to modernize your infrastructure you were going to pay pay for it you know in terms of power bills and and kind of kind of the amount of real estate you had to to augment your your infrastructure and i you get to this point too you're saying if i'm going to move this 36 light bulbs that i need to do some kind of generative ai kind of thing um you need to have space, you need to have mm-hmm. footprint to, to get there.
0: And from that business perspective, you got to, you got to stop and think. So yeah, if you don't do that, are you going to maintain competitive in whatever industry you're in? Right. So, you know, the, 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 cost of doing nothing is, is not only basically those hard sunk costs. When you think about the equipment you got to buy and those operational pieces, it's like, are you going to remain competitive uh, against other people in, in the same marketplace as you are?
1: You talked about that sort of opportunity cost of of not being able to to take on these two things because and you're just right. spent on on what you can do yep yeah, you know one of the things that I want to talk to you about was just kind of a nerdy topic and and as more and more we're talking about the concept of multi cloud hybrid cloud the 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 fact that all all enterprises today are are all maybe strong but have a footprint that they're localized, virtualized infrastructure, and they have, uh, you know, virtualized infrastructure they use in the cloud. And, and the idea of, of, of how do you make those two investments work together? And there was a time a while back, people were, were really thinking about VM portability or, or finding a way to, to package VMs, to, to migrate between different operating contexts. And is that realistic? Is that something that's still talked about or being done?
0: you know what i think people that tried the whole lift and shift model and basically thinking about it in a vm way and thinking about it in in a vm construct of being able to you know pick it up and stick it over here and then i think every almost everyone that's done that this is why you're hearing a lot about the kind of the cloud repatriation efforts of of people getting their stuff off the cloud is because they tried it and they're like that doesn't work right it's (laughs) it's uh Um, they, there, there's not the same level of service. It's not the same level of of expectation. It just doesn't run the same because it's not the same thing, um, when it comes down to it. And I think a lot of people started getting that. And that's when they started looking at things when they're building new applications, like building the new application with a cloud native focus, right? And cloud native doesn't mean, you know, is it on-prem or is it in the cloud or is it over here at this cloud, this cloud? It is about building those applications with some level of portability within them and also building the, the, the application, thinking about the application, the way it was designed. When you, when you look at basically, you know, like the layers of, of, of application development, um, think about the app layer. Don't necessarily think about the platform. Don't even think about the OS, right? Think about what you need that to do. Work down through that stack and then create something that is truly portable, and, you know, honestly, this is something that, you know, folks that have been doing application development for a long time, even back in the, you know, web 1.0 days of of three two one style architectures, where you'd have, here's your, here's your front end presentation layer going down into an app layer, going down to a database layer. Um, but those, those applications are resilient and those applications can run anywhere. And I think what we've seen happen, you know, when cloud came along and people t- started to try to do the lift and shift, they also started to rethink their application strategy and what they needed to do to make it portable and it kind of forced them into that model and but i think that's that's ultimately the way you make uh you make hybrid cloud work is the application shouldn't care what cloud it's running on right like i said whether it's on prem whether it's you know like in in any of the big tier cloud providers the i think the key is really the way you think about your 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 uh uh, development the way you think about your deployment and the way that you think about the operational aspects and and basically how how easy it is to do the day two operations on top of it that that's really what's going to make multi-cloud work so it comes down to a mindset more than it does the technologies makes sense i mean that was what was so exciting about you know
1: uh, about our, our focus on being bringing big scale to bergamo to the um to the Epic architecture and being able to say, we could put this thing to work for those kind of cloud-native workloads where you would use containers and Kubernetes and, and elements like that. But the thing that you guys talked about during the, the launch was it was about kind of mindset change, rethinking about how you modularized your 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 software architecture in ways that right. allowed you to move to things like microservices and elements of of, you know, kind of put the devops engine together and and put kind of atomic units of of operating capability. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing yeah. but, you know, before I let you go, I one thing like one of my favorite things that that we got to see there's there's a lot of fud in the industry around these uh you know migrating from from maybe a legacy architecture to our modern architecture and and what does it take to get there and and, you know, we had lots of conversations with the sales guys in, in the, in the company to say, hey, you know, the, there, there are ways to do this. You just gotta, gotta, you know, put some, some effort and, and some tools to work. And you guys built this awesome tool to help migrate, uh, you know, the, 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 capabilities to, to the next latest and greatest architecture, which kind of follows that theme. We've been talking about of like putting efficient, performant infrastructure work on, in new new uh new deployments or within um you know a movement to a more more modern architecture within your data center that exists today. what what the the Vamps tool, my, my favorite tool yeah, right that we did this year. But tell me tell me about how you guys um, um feel about that and, and sort is, is there more work to be done?
0: Yeah, well there's there's always more work to be there's, done. Uh, <laughs> that's one of the things I've found uh you know, in in uh, technology in general. And um yeah, so so when we initially created the Vamp tool, what we wanted to do was was create kind of a you know a framework and and an extensible architecture that will allow you to easily move from one, you know, architectural model to another. So moving from, you know, like an older, like you said, legacy x86 platform onto a newer modern x86 platform. And we wanted to effectively create a script that was like an easy button for it. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do those migrations. You can actually do them from within like the UI and in VMware today. Um, but it's one thing when you're doing 10 vms it's another thing when you're doing 10,000 Vms right So we had to have something that was that was robust, extensible, and scalable. But then also we really looked at this from that operational model and and what you've got to do to do one of these migrations and if you're looking at a large scale migration, we've got we always call it the wheel of migration where you've got the things you got to do like here's the planning, here's the migration, here's the validation piece, right yeah and those are three big slices of a pie with a lot of little wedges. Uh, that are kind of out there on the periphery that you that you need to do in each one of those steps so what we did was create the tool that actually encompassed all of those and give you the ability to you know migrate from one architecture to another and then in, in a you know in a VMware construct you can migrate you know from one vCenter to another vCenter and we've added these enhancements and optimizations with like multiple data stores multiple um, you know virtual net platforms like I said multiple vCenter uh, uh, systems and we could even use that now for doing, if you've got, say, you say VMware instantiations out in the cloud or, or at a remote office or at an edge location, right? You can actually use this tool and do that cross vCenter migrations or or do it, you know, in a variety of ways. But, you know, we built in a lot of the validation, kind of the, the, uh, the snapshotting components. We can detect, uh, you know, did it come up successfully? Did it not? And then what we also did is we put a lot of hooks in that script where, as, as a customer or a, or a partner or systems integrator, you can go in there and make your modifications that you want to this script. And oh, by the way, this script is entirely open source. And we've got it out there on GitHub and we actually co-developed it with VMware with themselves, right? So we did we did a lot of work with VMware and the professional services organizations over there uh, to develop this tool. but the the primary purpose of doing it, getting it out there, getting it open source is then also, you know allowing uh, uh contributors allowing like i said our, our partner systems integrators and any customers that want to contribute back into that code base to add these extensions that that are particular for any environmental things that they've got going you know into their into their platforms i mean it's a it's like i said we we want this to be easy but we also want it to be extensible and we want it to be easily accessible to to anybody that wants to uh go out there and use it and you know we we do have a roadmap of items that that we're looking at as far as you know other 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 requests that we've got in there one of the interesting ones you know that we've got to is uh, like okay this is great moving vmware to vmware can we actually put this into other um you know like o- other hypervisors right and uh, or other platforms are there are there ways in which we can you know extend this out and you know this is one of the things where you know we've got some general and broad ideas but at the same time this is where really community feedback makes a makes a big difference on on areas in which we can take it that's awesome
1: i mean really really cool i mean i, I was so sort of impressed by what you guys are able to do because it just felt like we were looking at this it was a big problem you this sort of understanding the operational yeah. context to migrate not just a few vms but like you said hundreds or thousands yeah where can people get more information about about the vamps tool
0: um we have got it it's up on uh GitHub it's actually under VMware's uh repository mm-hmm. um and it's uh, under the VMware architecture migration tool so uh you know GitHub and we can actually uh, uh probably pop a link in somewhere yeah, and we uh, in the notes yeah, get yeah. that get that to you, to you folks that'd be awesome Hey Jason thank you so much this was
1: you know this was awesome I mean I really appreciate you taking the time I learned so much today um, I'm I'm glad we decided that it's kind of called VM, uh, VM, World Explorer, VMware Explorer, and not <laughs> VMware VM World. Explorer. Right. I'll get it <laughs> right eventually. But uh, but really, thanks for taking the time and, and thanks for all your help. Um, really appreciate it, and looking forward to uh, to doing this again. Great,
0: thanks, Dylan. Appreciate thanks, Dylan. it.
1: Thanks for joining AMD Tech Talk. Find out more about the technologies discussed today at www.amd.com.